Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. Today's guest is the most amazing Robin Hauser. Robin, thank you for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You bet. I've been so looking forward to this conversation for quite a long time. I have a tendency to overbook and I'm booked all through 2021 already. And that has made me have to wait to talk to you. And I've been thrilled about this conversation. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I am a documentary filmmaker, at least I have been for the last 10 years, um, which I think is just really exciting because I was able to reinvent myself in my mid 40s. Um, and I have made three films, um, well, I'm making my, I've made five films altogether. I would say that I am still in progress on my fifth film, um, but I made a film that came out in 2015 that was called Code Debugging the Gender Gap, and it was honestly a film that I thought would speak to just maybe people in Silicon Valley, but um, that film had incredible reach, and it's now been to over 80 countries, um, has screened literally all over the world. And I think what happened is that we touched upon subjects that women and people of color feel and face, not just in tech, but across various industries and across many different cultures. So that was a rewarding project. And then I moved on to make a film called Bias, which is about racial and gender bias, um, unconscious bias. And that came out in 2018. And it clearly is um, you know, still a very relevant topic. So I've been enjoying a lot of discussions um, about unconscious bias lately. Um, and now I'm making a film called Savvy, which is about financial literacy in women and about how important it is for women to be responsible and engaged in personal finances. You bet, you bet. So I have um, well known your first film you mentioned and have fallen in love with your second film that's so in keeping with what I do for a living. Um, my broader companies, I have a company called the Conscious Inclusion Company with two subsidiaries. And we refer to you all the time. Like you come up in almost every conversation. I need to get uh -huh. you in front of clients. And really, you've done a remarkable job of already moving the needle. So thank you for that. Um, incredible career in the last 10 years, ha having pivoted to do this. It's just amazing. What would you say has been your proudest professional accomplishment? Oh, I probably would just say finishing my first film. Uh, that was a nice. film. Yeah, I mean, that was a film called Running for Jim. I hadn't been to film school. I do have an MBA, um, but that doesn't necessarily teach you know you much. About right. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't translate into what you do now. So definitely a reinvention. So uh, I guess the first one was the toughest. Oh, I think without a doubt, the first one was the toughest. I I was so fortunate to be guided by people in the. Uh, San Francisco documentary community that that really advised me and helped me and I started out working with with another uh, director who who taught me a lot about filmmaking David Brown um, and eventually I, I I took that project over onto you know to myself um, I was I became the sole person responsible for that um, and and again I, I really owe it to my team and the people that I was able to uh, work with but I think anytime you know, you, you set out to do a project and, and I'm the type of person who once I start working on something, I'm absolutely determined to finish, and especially when I'm fundraising for a project. So if I've even received a dollar from somebody 
who, get, who donated a dollar to me to a project and um, you know, then I need to see the project through. So it can be stressful at times, but it's also ultimately rewarding when I see how the audience reacts to these films. Yeah, that's amazing. Let me ask you, is David Brown your mentor or do you have a mentor, someone who inspired you? Well, I, I respect David Brown greatly. I, I would say that I have um, many mentors, um, awesome. even people that I've never met. I sat in a theater when I was in my probably early 30s and I saw a film called Born Into Brothels. And I was so inspired by the music, by the visuals, by the, the, the just the, the way that the documentary filmmaker had to pivot with her story about these children um, born into brothels in Calcutta, that I remember leaving the theater with that feeling in my gut that I was missing out, that I was, that I had a calling that I hadn't fulfilled yet. And I knew at that moment that it was visual storytelling, that it was going to be about making a documentary film someday. You know, and we all have this idea of when is someday? When are you going to be brave enough to do that thing you want to do that you keep saying someday, right? So yeah. That, that's a leap of faith. That's, a, that's scary to, to do. But um, again, it goes back to, you know, my proudest moment, I guess, would be when I actually did finish that first film. You know, folks, you can't see us because we're audio only. But to watch Robin when she talks about this is just, I mean, even if there were no words coming out of her mouth, it's very compelling and moving. I kind of had a little welling up going on, like a few tears. You can, you can tell how this was life changing for you, this, this new, new normal for you, the pivot that you made. This is what you were meant to do. This is your, we often call it the ikigai. I know you've heard of that, where you find your passion, you do it, the world needs it, and you can get paid for it. Like that's the perfect purpose in your life, your ikigai. It's wonderful to watch you on this um, video that I'll not be sharing, but it's wonderful to be able to see you when you tell your story, it's amazing. Um, well, let me ask you this. Uh, clearly, you and I are aligned in women should lift other women up. Um, how can we do that? You know, I can't be a documentary maker. That's you. Um, but what can I do maybe day to day to help lift other women in business? Well, I mean, Susan, I just want to say that I think that you've done um, some incredible things, just the connections that you have, uh, the introductions that you have offered me. And I think I agree with you that supporting women in business is in anything, right? Is one of the most important things that we can all do. So I personally want to thank you for the Aww. very valuable um, introductions you've made to me since, since we've known each other. I'm, I'm really grateful to that. Um, and I think that we all need to take time out of our very busy schedules to help women. I'll tell you that when I was first starting out filmmaking, I often had to reach out to people who were, experienced documentary filmmakers who were producers, who were um, involved, you know, distributors, and ask if they would have coffee with me, ask if I could just have a phone call with them. Um, people even who are well known, like, like Jamie Redford, for example, who is Robert Redford's son, who's a very skilled documentarian. And they were so generous with their time with me, even though I know how busy they were. I owe so much to them. So even now today, when, if I have, you know, a zillion things to do in a three hour period, for example, I, I make every effort uh, within say a 10 day period when I get a request to take the time out to talk to somebody who's 
you know, just a newly inspired um, documentarian, somebody who's just out of film school, somebody that doesn't know what they want to do in life, um, but they want to talk to a documentary filmmaker. I do my best to take those calls because I think that's how we support other people, whether they're women or, or men or, yeah. or however they identify, right? But That's so nice. That's really great advice that anyone can do. You know, it doesn't take special privilege to do what you just advised. So thank you for that. That's really wonderful. Um, I always ask this question coming up because when I have wonderful women on my show like you are, I don't want the audience to think they're so not relatable. They, I want them to be able to connect with the audience. And so I do keep it real. I don't let people come on and just sell stuff or brag about themselves. I ask them maybe, you know, what has been a challenge or setback and how did you overcome it? Yeah, I, I've had a few along the way. I think um, having to, with my very first film, Running for Jim, having to sort of, you know, shift and, and um, change my team members and stuff, that, that was a bit of a challenge. Um, without a doubt, I think the, the most challenging time that I have had uh, with any film is um, raising funds for this film right now, for Savvy. And I think that that's, it, it has nothing to do with how valuable the subject matter is. It has everything to do with the environment. You know, yes. COVID, hit, uh, COVID hit and um, obviously the stock market reacted to that. And then um, the Black Lives Matter crisis. And so all of those are, are very important and real reasons for people to divert funding to the front lines and to taking care of those initiatives, which I fully support and, and appreciate. Um, Unfortunately, you know, for documentary filmmaking, as glamorous as it sounds, there's no easy way to find funding to make these films. I mean, there are some huge um, organizations that grant, like the MacArthur Foundation and, um, you know, Annenberg and Sony. And I, I will tell you that the demand for those funds is extreme. Um, I have never been awarded money that way. Uh, I think now that I'm established and, and sort of seen as an established filmmaker, which of course I still think I'm just, you know, <laughs> just, No, just, you are. You're amazing. I, I still have so much to learn. I really, really do. And I learn every day from, from people. But I, um, I, I think it's a real challenge for filmmakers. And I, where do you find the funding to make these films? Um, so I'm enormously grateful to the people that have come on as executive producers to support my work. Um, companies that have always been, you know, had my back and, and found funds to, to support to be co-sponsors and sponsors of the film. Um, but it's, I, I just worry about how much incredible creative content out there isn't actually coming out because right. there isn't sort of just an obvious way to fund these films. Right. I think that, um, you know, document, doc, documentaries, that's, well, first of all, that's my passion. Call me nerdy, but I love nonfiction and I love documentaries. And that's, you know, other people might be binge watching, you know, something on Netflix. I'm looking for the next documentary that I can soak up. It's a fun way of learning reality and history, um, the world outside your home. Uh, another person's perspective, listening with empathy and not judgment, um, and really understanding yourself as you see yourself in others, right? So it's sort of a, 
self-actualization when you watch documentaries. And like you said, the way you were moved by that uh, film that uh, birthed in brothels, right? So born into brothels, yeah. Born into brothels, yeah. Well, now's the point in the show where I know it's an act of courage and if you wanna say no, you can, but I posed the question called the wild card question. And if you say yes, hit me. I go ahead and I look into this box of 144 questions and I randomly pull out a question and then I ask it of you. Are you game? I'm game, go for it. I knew you would be, you're that kind of courageous woman. So here we go. There's no music. See any little background music right now? <laughs> All right. Oh, this is a well. This is a very good question. Um, it's kind of hard. It's a lot of self-reflection. So, what is something you once disliked but now enjoy? Oh boy, drinking. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer, if you ask me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I've become uh, expert at that during COVID-19. The funniest thing that I read the other day, it said, um, what did it say? It said, 15 years from now, our country's going to be run by children who were homeschooled by alcohol, by day drinkers. I thought that oh was my God. I have a meme that I have to send you about that. It's hilarious. That That's true. You know, I have a lot of mom friends and they are like, you know, I was not cut out to be a teacher and, you know, I just, oh, I think this is, this has been so difficult on, on yeah. working, working moms. Yeah. And I think that's something, although I'm hoping that this experience of working from home is also really helping uh, fathers understand how difficult it is to be the primary caregiver um, yeah. or, or just the, the, the other, you know, the, the other spouse, right. But whoever is not normally, whoever gets to escape to an office, I, right. I think that, these images that you see on Instagram and YouTube of, of moms um, or any parent working with the kids climbing all over in the lap and tugging at their shirts and stuff and and then having to cut out time for homeschooling I think is incredibly difficult and I my my hat goes out to them I am fortunate enough to have grown children I have a 26 year old and a 25 year old and I did spend the first month of COVID with them we were all working side by side um, plus my daughter's boyfriend, which was such a gift to spend that time with them. But I kept thinking, oh my gosh, what if they were eight and nine years old right yeah. now? I mean, boy. I so. know for me, um, I was a single mom for a while from the, my ex left when our son was nine months. So I raised my son um, until he was nine by myself. And on my own, no child support, no, you know, he totally. It, you know, left our lives. And I was thinking, you know, back in those days, everything was so important and so critical. Every move I made was so, it, it shaped and formed who this young man is today. And I lived constantly in a slight fear of what if I don't do this right? You know, it's all on me. I can't say, you know, I can't get help. I can't say dad did that or, you know, it was all on me. And so I was thinking about these women and men, like you said, who are now worried about, you know, I don't know math the way I should in order to teach my child. What am I doing? How am I creating this future adult? Is he going to be prepared? You know, lucky for me, mine's 19 at Berkeley and doing fine. But had he been seven, six, eight, nine, whatever, I would be 
totally out of my mind and worried that I'm not doing right by my child. And that's my greatest fear is to, you know, I, my whole life has been preparing him to fly free. Right. And if you, yeah, if you, you it's scary okay. if you can't homeschool the way it needs to be done. And I can tell you, I wouldn't. Yeah. And well, first of all, go bears. Yay. Yay. <laughs> and, and second of all, I just want to say that I think, this fear, believe it or not, this sort of you know fear of teaching certain subjects, this is exactly what even educated teachers fear. And one reason that they're not teaching coding in schools, that they're not teaching financial literacy or financial, you know, personal finance yeah. in school. And um, because it's it's very difficult to find teachers who are confident to teach at that level. Yeah. And we all know what it's like when we're helping our fifth or sixth or seventh grader with math homework and it's the new math and suddenly you're saying <laughs> I, this is greek to me i have no right. idea. in fact i think i'd rather be studying greek than <laughs> yes yes i could have handled greek and latin word study but this new math and and all this other stuff he brings home he's an environmental scientist so i'm like uh, well i can help you know check your grammar <laughs> That's exactly. about it but let me ask you this so in in this conversation this just hit me you would be a, you know, have you thought about doing a documentary um, on this, women in COVID, women who are business women and trying to keep the home together, the marriage together and teach the children? I mean, this is scary stuff. Yeah, I, I think that had I not been smack dab in the middle of production yeah. when COVID hit, if I had been looking for a project, I think without a doubt, I would have jumped in. I mean, I would have, I, I really would have, because I was fascinated by it. In fact, I, I started even, you know, when we thought this would only last two weeks or something back in March, oh. um, we would take out our iPhones and say, Let, let's record like day one of, of sheltering. <laughs> yeah, oh, boy. I did that too. Yeah. Yeah, let me tell you, it would have been a pretty boring movie. <laughs> but, but I will tell you that, um, so unfortunately, just timing wise, I'm really, devoted. As I said, I will always finish a project if I start it, um, as you know, God willing, Allah willing, Buddha willing. Um, but I, um, I think that there is something, I think there will be movies that come out about that, about all different sort of aspects. And I, I think it would be very worthy because I think that it's incredibly challenging. And we have all seen the headlines that say that women are more adversely affected by right. The repercussions of COVID because we, we there are more part-time workers are women, more people who are a bit laid off um, are therefore women. Um, women, you know, make less on the dollar than men do, so this is less savings. The burden of caregiving to elderly parents and to Me. children burden generally falls on women. So yeah. all these things are making it incredibly difficult for women during COVID, mothers especially. There was a recent article in the New York Times with Joan Williams that talked about how, you know, here we spent the last five or six years measuring the rate at which men and women enter the workforce. And finally, there was some progress, like finally, there was some equity um, for women in the workplace. And this has just blown that all to bits. Um, yeah. Well, let's touch base really quickly again on this remarkable film that you have called Savvy. I want everyone to see, look, we could all relate. I, I have done quite well in my career. I made my own money, but I still relinquish all that management, money management to the man in my life, my current husband, my last, he's my last rodeo. Um, 
but I did it before as well. Like I would make the money, but they would manage the money. Why is that? You know, this film is so important and I recognize some of the people in it. I think that it was, um, you know, the trailer in and of itself is very compelling. So if you would tell people again, the name and how to, to, to see this film, I'll also put it in a blog that I write about you. I'll put a few pictures that tell the story of you in visuals. I'll put your bio and links to your sites and so forth. I'll also um, share how people can reach you if you're willing to share that with us. Yeah, of course. And you can post that teaser trailer. So it's a, it's a sizzle, right? It's used for marketing. It, it, it shows what um, our production value and the themes and sort of the style of the film. But the film is not yet complete. So it is, um, you know, there will be a trailer trailer later um, once we complete the film. But I'm really excited about Savvy Documentary. I will tell you, Susan, that out of all the films I've made, I think, I really believe that this film has the, the, the greatest potential to have impact on the broadest audience. And that's because I read articles daily that come from New Zealand or the UK or North Africa, India, um, and of course the United States, all about the same subject, which is why women need to be engaged in personal finance. Now, as you said, it doesn't mean that there can't be partnership in a marriage where, or in a relationship, whether it's same sex or, or not, right. um, where you can work together on these. But what happens is women tend to abdicate these financial decisions. Why? Because our culture sort of strongly suggests that women aren't as good at math that we can't really invest, that we're not as good at numbers, right? And men, gender norms sort of put on men that this is their territory, that they're the ones that should be doing it. And if you look at Wall Street, you see that it's sort of male dominated, right? The whole sort of ethos about it feels totally. masculine. And so women are just as smart, they are just as capable, but we tend to take a back seat because we lack the confidence. And frankly, we all lack some of the, most of us anyway, the, the, the education about it. I mean, how many, yeah, of, how many, of, us taught, yeah, how many of us yeah. are taught what is com compounding interest? I, I still to this day, I, I'm not sure I completely understand how to get a good credit score. I mean, okay, pay off your credit card every single month. And my daughter said, well, mom, actually, my daughter who's very bright and in personal, she's in, a, in um, private equity, she said to me, Actually, mom, 20% of the time you should let a balance ride for a month because that'll give you a better credit score because the banks actually want to see that, you know, you're holding credit, but then you don't always pay it off so that they get a little. And she was explaining this to me and I thought that can't be right. Well, sure enough, she's right. Yeah. And now in the film have uh, Angela Setters Bassard from Conquer Credit discuss this, you know, how important credit is. Um, there, Carrie Schwab says in the film, which I thought was fascinating, that sometimes, often now, employers will pull a credit score on an applicant before they even interview. Yes. Is that crazy? So if you That's don't crazy. happen to have, say, above maybe, what, 650 or something on a credit score, you might not even get an interview. Well, I'll tell you, that's so unfair because some of us who had rotten ex-husbands had poor credit for a while because of those people and now we're getting double whammied, right? So you yeah. can't get the job because your credit score suffers because your ex screwed up your credit. That's yeah, we talk about that too. There's a, there's a scene where we talk about um, financial abuse 
and how you financial my credit cards and yeah and it doesn't matter you could be bringing in five million dollars a year or five thousand dollars a year you can still be in a financially abusive relationship right yeah. men and women i mean it's it's it can be very subtle just simply like not showing you the numbers not being transparent and it can be very blatant which is you know taking your atm card out and, and pulling money out of your account and it can be very filling out these um, offers for new credit cards and my not knowing. <laughs> in your name, with your social security. Exactly. exactly. It can be very that. Um, well, look, you're amazing. I have waited for this for so long. I'm so glad we've had this conversation. And you, I just hope maybe we'll have another one after your film comes out. We'll talk about lessons learned and the going through this process of raising funds during COVID and Black Lives Matter. I mean, this is tough. Everyone is a competitor. If you're pulling money from someone's corporate account or a commercial account, then, you know, you're a competitor. Even if what you're doing is a good thing, um, where are those dollars going? So, um, I can be one of those people who donate a dollar. <laughs> I, I can do that. Maybe a few, maybe a few Every more. Everything helps. Everything <laughs> helps. So thank you. Well, thank I you. love your commitment and dedication, and I feel honored to know you. So thank you for being on the show, and I'm sure my listeners are going to want to know more about you. So look for that blogcast, folks, within, um, I'd say, a week. We'll have it up on the website, then I'll share it on LinkedIn, and then you can share it as you see fit. And let me know if there's anyone I can introduce you to that might help the cause. Thank you so much, Susan. It's really an honor to have spoken with you today. And I love what you do. So keep, keep at it. Keep doing it. You bet. You bet. You inspire me. Have a good one, everybody. And thanks for listening in. Bye-bye.